We're um, going to go ahead and hear the Word of God this morning from Kevin Hahn. And Kevin used to be a pastor before he came to our church. Uh, you'll remember he gave a message about a month or so ago on redeeming the time for the days are evil and to walk as those who are wise. And so I was just really struck by uh, Kevin's commitment to the Lord, to his people, to seeing people come to know the Lord, and having God's church live with urgency. And today he's going to speak about um, revering Christ in our hearts. And we are always to be prepared to give um, a defense for the hope that is within us, speaking to everyone with gentleness and respect. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And so um, let's go ahead and have Kevin come on up. Um, let's welcome him. I'm going to say a quick word of prayer for this brother, and he's going to deliver the word of God to us. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we just pray that your blessing, um, the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be upon this man now as he reveres Christ in his heart, as he teaches us to give uh, defense for the hope that is within us, as we are encouraged, Lord, to speak to all with gentleness and respect. Would you speak with it to this man? May he give us words of truth. May there be a sense of urgency to his message. May we be moved uh, to be more like Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of your word. Thank you, Lord. May your blessing be upon this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. <laughs> so, today I want to I really wanted to share a message about something that the Lord is teaching me and really taking me through. Uh, weeks ago, actually over a month ago, I actually had finished the notes for the sermon and Pastor Mike had looked over it, made sure I'm not saying any heresy right now. <laughs> but uh, no, he looked over it and he was like, oh, this looks good, maybe this and that. But as the weeks were getting closer... Um, there was this one reoccurring theme in Mark, this is what it is, and we had a good, like, 30-minute conversation. He's like, that sounds really applicable to our church, and I was like, yeah, it's what I'm going through. Lucky for me, I'm actually speaking on the same verse, but the content and, like, the focus of it is really going to be on hope, um, our reason for the hope. So that's the sermon title today is, Our Reason for the Hope That Is In Us. I've had the amazing privilege of like Pastor Chris said, uh, doing ministry. And also in the last few years, I've had the amazing privilege of working as a working professional out in the world and as a college student again. And in those times where I engage these places, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I come across a lot of hopelessness and a lot of darkness, and I feel very overcome. In my work, I work with students that come from very broken families. I work with kids whose parents have left them, foster care, um, group homes. And in those situations, I often feel very overwhelmed and hopeless. This last year, you know, we've talked ad, ad nauseum about it, but this last year was a year of hopelessness for a lot of people. The very things we put our hopes, hope in, whether it be our loved ones, our finances, our health, a lot of those things were taken from us. And I've been surrounded by people who are unemployed, family going through sickness, a lot of hopelessness. But as believers, we are 
called to engage with the world, right? Jesus tells us to be the light and the salt. He says, uh, a light, right? Uh, uh, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. But when I engage, I met with coworkers who are very worldly, right? Their principles are very different from mine. Uh, customers or students that are very difficult to love. And I always feel like I'm going against the grain. I don't know if you feel the same. But today, again, I want to remind us this one verse. This is one of my favorite verses. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. The Apostle Peter is often actually called the Apostle of Hope. Uh, Apostle Paul is the Apostle of Faith and Apostle John, the Apostle of Love. Um, and I think no better place to really talk about hope than to really read about 1 Peter. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. For the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So again, today, let's explore the reason for the hope that is in us. Uh, let's pray before we get into the message. I pray that we would fully understand what it means to be a living hope for something or someone to put their hope in. May we as believers understand our reason for the hope so that we can share that reason to those around us. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So yeah, First Peter. Um, so a little background on First Peter. Um, the main idea, the main theme of this letter is really instructions to believers on how to live victoriously in a hostile world. So it's really instructions to believers and how we should live in a hostile world. Emperor Nero, and they were being persecuted and many were being killed for their faith. So this is the context in which Peter writes this letter. Also during this time, the Christians were in a season of diaspora, or they were scattered. They were spread out. If you remember, when uh, the coronavirus first hit, the thing I noticed, right? He's like, hey, get ready for an answer because blah, blah, blah. So there's an assumption that people will ask us about our hope. What I learned from that is that as believers, that means our hope must be different or look different or act differently or else why would they ask me because if i look like everyone else they're not going to randomly ask me that question right so the question is what is our reason for hope why is our hope different as believers first let's define hope um, john piper says this christian hope is a confidence that something will come to pass because god has promised this definition, then Hebrews not wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let me read it again. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, right? That's the confidence. For he who promised is faithful. So that's my first point. Our reason for the hope that is in us is because our God who promised it is faithful. Amen. Um, when we talk about hope, there are varying levels of confidence of hope in every statement. 
this is what I mean. When I say, I hope I got the job, right? Depending on how well you did on the interview is how much hope you have to have, right? Um, I hope I passed the test. If you studied well, you know, you have high hopes, right? If you didn't study well, pretty low hopes. I hope the Dodgers win it all, right? Um, it goes up and down during the season for me, right? But anyways, the level of hope really is determined by how much faith you have in the, uh, the thing or the person, right? You're putting your hope in, right? You have a lot of hope if you really trust them or whatever, or you don't. I remember years ago, I was in Peru, never done. And in, when you do something like that, you have to put a lot of hope and a lot of faith, right? In that it's safe, right? I remember I was waiting in line for my first zip line across this mountain to mountain, literally, and the girl in front of me was about to get pushed. And she starts screaming. It's like, wait, wait. And I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? And they forgot to hook one of the carabiners, right? <laughs> one of the hooks. And then they're like, oh, sorry. They hooked it and threw her, right? I lost a lot of hope, right? I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> keep me safe. It did make it more exhilarating, though, because my heart rate was, like, up here. Um, all that to say, how much hope you really have really comes down to how much faith you put in the thing or the person. Now, our hope is different because we're putting our hope in God. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says this, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. His very nature is faithful. That means if he says he's going to do it, He's going to do it. That means who he is is that even if I lose faith, he will be faithful. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 says this. So shall my word that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. What God is saying is very simple. He said, my words will never return empty. If I say it, it will happen. It will finish its purpose. It will come to pass. See, we're putting our hope in a God who is always faithful, who will never let me down, and his promises are sure. This is why as believers, sorry if I take this little aside because uh, this is very important to me. This is why as believers, we need to read the word. You need to know his promises. You need to not know, only know his promises, but you need to read it believing that they're true. That what the promises he gives you in this word will be accomplished. Promises such as he will never leave you or forsake you. Promises such as he makes firm the steps of those who delight in him. And he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. As believers, we need to hold on to his word. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. That's actually a verse you'll see in multiple Psalms, Psalm 119 being one of them. Another verse, I will hope in his word. See, our hope is different because the things that he promises us will come true. So my question to you, churches what have you put your hope in 
what have you put your hope in? Maybe you put your hope in a relationship that didn't work out. Maybe you put your hope in a job that didn't work out. Or maybe in the stock market. Or I don't know. Your, your, whatever it is. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But if you put your hope in anything but God, eventually they will let you down. Um, every Christian, godly, married couple I, uh, I know... It's always very like sobering to me because I'm not married. When they're like, yeah, blah, 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 we got an argument. I like, you guys aren't allowed to get in arguments, right? <laughs> like, that's not allowed. Um, but yeah, like, that's reality, right? We're flawed, we're sinful, you know? They will let you down. But our reason as believer for the hope in us is different because we put our hope in a God who is faithful. So I want to end this point by reading Hebrews 10, verse 23, one more time. Let us hold fast to this confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Test him on it. See if the Bible isn't true. I know in my life, when I put my hope and trust in his words, it has come true. Moving on to our second point. Point two. The reason for the hope that is in us is because of Christ's resurrection. Because of Christ's resurrection. This is a very fundamental point, but perhaps the most important point. First Peter chapter 1, so same book, verse 3 to 4. One of my favorite verses and maybe one of the most important verses in First Peter says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy... He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. We have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A hope that not even death can contain. Again, this is a fundamental belief. Uh, I remember when John spoke on um, a few weeks ago on the gospel message. I was just reminded how important it is for me as a believer to be always reminded of the gospel message. This can never get old for us, you know. Our entire basis of hope stems from the idea of the resurrection. Even death couldn't stop and contain his love for us. Romans 8 really goes into this idea. I, I recommend you reading it, right? It says, not only did he die, but he raised from the dead. And it says, so, and like, what can separate us? And now we are more than conquerors. I, uh, I work, uh, as many of you know, I work in special needs. I work with kids from um, difficult backgrounds. And I work with students from all kinds of backgrounds. And when I talk about work... Uh, I actually light up because I love it. Like, I love my students. I love talking about it. But don't get the wrong idea. It's hard. <laughs> it's difficult. Um, there are many times where I've wanted to quit. There are times where I'll be with my friends, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> this is too hard. You know? I've dealt with legal issues. 
I've dealt with families who've, yeah, just hard. <laughs> I remember one family I was working with, everyone had given up on this student. I remember praying to God because every day was so hard to go to work because I was like, he was very aggressive and his family situation was not great. And I was like, I really want to give up. And I remember with these things to you that in, and um, she was actually a believer. And so <laughs> I remember for 25 minutes on the clock, which I shouldn't have done, I was just sharing her the gospel again, right? And I was like, hey, God rose from the dead. You can't give up on your son, right? You can't give up. And I was able to share the gospel message, you know, and I will be lying to you guys if I tell you that everything works out the way you hope it does. It really doesn't. My circumstances didn't really change, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit filled me and the hope that I had changed. And the way I go about work now is so different. I actually have a reputation at work for uh, having the hardest kids. And I've always wondered, like, why do they always give me the hardest kids? <laughs> like, why do they... Right? I was like, why... Every time I start a new job, they're like, like a few months later, I'm like, wait a minute, my caseload is crazy, right? I actually talked to one of my HR managers one day and I was like, hey, like, I noticed that blah, blah, blah gets to work with them, but I have to work with blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, it's because you never complain, right? They're like, I was like, what? They're like, yeah, everybody complains when they work with the hard kids. So we just assume you like it. And I was like... I'm like, I'll work with them. And I ended up working with them every day, right? Um, and it really is a, really, like, First Peter 3 is a reality that I've noticed as believers. When you have the message of the resurrection and that living hope in you, people do notice. People have asked me, hey, man, why do you like working with the hardest kids so much? Right? They're like, why do you like doing this? And I'm like, yes, I got them. Right? I got you. Right? My message is always the same. Because my life is not my own, and I don't live for me. If this was for me, I would be right with you, right? I would not want to work with them either. I would take a paycheck and go home, right? So, but my life is not my own. And I've had the amazing and wonderful opportunity to share the gospel with them and my testimony of how God saved me from darkness and into light. Now, that doesn't mean... Again, your circumstances. So again, the second point is this. Our reason for the hope is that we are given a living hope when we are born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I, as believers, I really hope that message never gets old and that you are reminded of where you were once and now you're given an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kind of want to come to an end with an ending encouragement of what this really like practically what does this look like what should i do so as uh, pastor chris mentioned verses if you read the rest of first peter 3 before and after it he talks a lot about suffering for good he talks about don't repay evil for evil or revile those who revile but bless them which is both those statements are really crazy right like wait you want me to suffer for doing this, right? and then i was thinking about it think about who 
is saying this to us. It's Apostle Peter. Is this not the same Peter? When the soldiers came to get Jesus, he cut off their ear. And he's saying, bless those who revile you. It's like, what? Is this the same Peter? How is this possible? Is this not the same Peter who denied Christ three times out of fear and he's telling us to suffer for doing good? Right? Is this not the same Peter? What caused this change? What really is this moment of change? I'm reminded of John 21 when Jesus comes back from the dead and restores Peter. See, in that moment, he was reminded of the realities of the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection became real to him. This is important because prior to that, Jesus would say, I am the resurrection. He said that when he uh, brought Lazarus back to life. See, it's one thing to really know it and to hear it and one thing for it to be real in your life. Our church does a thing that I think is really amazing because I've never been to a church that did something like this. We call it second day, which is the day between uh, Good Friday and Easter. And then that second day, we do creative testimonies. And the point of the creative testimonies, the idea behind it is that the second day is a day of doubt, the day of hopelessness. And I remember this last time was the first time I was able to remove those doubts and that hopelessness. People were able to share the realities of the resurrection. It was not something... Pastor <laughs> uh, Chris writes in his book, Jesus saw believing in his resurrection and living through it as the same. If we say we believe in the resurrection of Jesus, but remaining unchanged by that, right? if we say we believe but remain unchanged by that, Jesus never came to live in and through you. And the fellows, uh, Garen actually emailed me about my notes and said, hey, it would be nice if you shared with them what a life without Christ and a li- life with Christ might look like. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, huh. And I was reminded the family situation was awful. Through crazy, it came real to me. I was filled with hope. This person that you stand before me is not the person that I was before I met Christ. This is not who I was. You wouldn't even believe that we're the same person. But the person that I am is because the message of the resurrection was no longer just the message, but a reality in my life. That he died for my sins. And he rose again so that I may have an inheritance. That I may be given an inheritance. And that is salvation. So again, church, may that be a reality in your life. It is not enough for you to just know it but it has to be a real thing in your life so let's never forget the reason for our hope first let's hold fast to this confession of hope without wavering knowing that he who promised it is faithful and again let's be born again to a living hope has placed their hope in something that has failed them, that they will put their hope in you, the God who will never leave them or forsake them, 
the God who has saved them from death in our hearts, being ready to and to. Uh, as I was listening to Kevin share, and the first thing was in First Peter three verse, you're a little bit wavering in your hope, just general hope in life. I was really convicted by Kevin's message because I realized in my own life. Um, you know, there's these decisions that I've been thinking about making in my future. And I find myself in my weaker moments, like flailing around. Uh, it really starts with us saying, we're going to honor Christ in our hearts. We're going to honor his holiness in our life. And as we do that, Christ will meet you in your fear. He will meet you in your anxiety. It's not just about making the right decision. It's about, Lord, I'm going to submit my heart to you. And out of me doing that, I will have the holiness to have hope. And I don't know what you're, what's making your heart anxious today. I know that at the end of this service, we offer prayer. And I'm going to be one of the first people up there to go receive prayer. And I encourage you, if you're out there and you have something anxious or, or burdening your heart, and it's robbing you, it's robbing you of joy and robbing you of your hope that you would come up for prayer and say, just help me, Lord, to revere Christ in my heart as holy. And then everything's going to be fine with my hope. And the other thing that was going through my mind was that Peter wrote to the diaspora. He wasn't just writing to one person. If you want to hold on to the hope that is within you in Christ Jesus. You cannot do that alone. He was writing to an entire community of Christians and he realized that to have hope in Christ is not an individual endeavor. It is something that we have hope in Christ and we are encouraged in hope in Christ through the body of Christ. And I know I need that. You cannot be a Lone Ranger Christian and hold on to hope. You need the body of Christ to encourage you in that. And so I just want to pray for you. I just, you know, I just, I think that the Lord, whether you're here today or you're watching online, maybe there are some of you who have never yielded your heart to Jesus Christ. You've ne- you hear about this hope. You don't know what we're talking about as Christians. You want it. You try for it, but you've never yielded your heart to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've been away from the Lord for some time. And you say, Lord, this this is the day. This is the day I need to recommit my life to the Lord so that I may have renewed hope in his resurrected life. And so I just want to ask you to bow again and pray before we close in worship. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If this is your heart, I want you to just pray this to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, I I have been living apart from you. I have been lacking the hope that only comes through the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. And I need that, Lord. I need that to save me from my sin. I need to save me from death. As I've gotten older, I was having a conversation with someone this morning about how we're getting older and we think more about our mortality. And maybe if that's you here or online, and you say, Lord, I want to come back to you. I want to come to you for the first time. I want Christ to be holy in my heart. 
I want to have this hope that the scriptures talk about. I want Jesus to be resurrected in my life and not just in the lives of other people. If that is you, if you seek the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you seek the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you seek to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness and Satan to the kingdom of God in eternity, then the Bible says if you are willing to confess that Jesus is Lord of your life, you're willing to follow him, not yourself as Lord, not the world as Lord, not as your boyfriend or girlfriend as Lord, not Satan as your Lord, but Jesus as Lord. If you are willing to confess and commit to Jesus as Lord, the Bible says in Romans 10, and also, and you're committed to it, is that you will be saved. So I pray that for you. Lord, thank you for our time together. May you bless, may you strengthen, may you protect, may you grow. May you do fantastic things for the glory of God through City Bible Church. And now as we stand to worship you, may you be honored for the hope that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and close in worship.